Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5, Created for Connection, a podcast that explores the way we become isolated from one another, but how God moves us toward connection with Him and with each other. In today's episode, we interview Dr. Shannon Rakes and Enneagram coach Stacy Joyner. We're discussing the importance of doing our own inner work, understanding our motivations and fears, which helps us not only to know ourselves, but it also helps us as we connect with others. We'll consider tools like the Enneagram and discuss how they can help us in the process. To everyone listening, we're glad you're here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Created for Connection. I'm your host, Kevin Shelby, and I'm here with my co-host, Paul McMullen. Hey, Paul, how's it going, man? Hey, good morning, Kevin. I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, It's about 18 degrees here in Memphis, Tennessee. So when I walked in this morning, I thought, why did I get out of the house? I could have done this at home. But um, but I'm at my office because I had to drop the kids off at school. So, you know, here we are braving the the weather that I was not made for. I was not made to live in 18 degree weather. So what weather were you made to live for? I think I was made to live like, you know, Florida, you know, Florida. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, which is relevant to today. That was an inadvertent uh, lead in to introducing some people that are going to be on the show today, but we're going to, we're going to leave that a mystery for a minute. Cause I got a story Ooh. to tell you. Okay. Well, um, it is a brisk 26 in Dallas today, so we're not quite freezing Memphis weather, but, uh, we're pretty chilly here too. Well, and you guys are locked in the house because y'all, y'all have had COVID we got right. the vid. Yeah. We joined the masses. It, we, we put it off for as long as we could. And then we're like, okay, I guess we'll, we'll go down this route. So didn't, didn't you get it or or one of your kids get it, then you got it. And now your wife has it. It's been strung I, out kind of like that. It's so confusing because I've taken so many tests in the last month and I've, I've gotten negative on all of them. And so my voice is a little, little deeper today. Um, because I can, you know, I've been kind of stuffy, you know, for about a week, but, uh, I've been negative. So it's just, yeah, just family has got in, but not all of us. So it's hard to understand how you can be in the same house, but I've heard that over and over again. That just is how it goes. Yeah. Over Christmas, over the Christmas holidays, four out of the six of my family members tested positive, my immediate family. So two kids and me and Melissa. I've had so many COVID tests. I think I have calluses inside of my nose because it's just been ridiculous, you know? And I mean, you got to get a COVID test every time somebody sneezes now. Um, But we're not, we're not here to get into that. We'll leave all of that for, you know, people to debate who know more about it than I do. That's kind of gross. Anyway, you don't have to talk about your nose anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, all right, I'll just going to leave that one there. So, um, what else has been going on? Yeah, yeah, I needed an in, I needed a an invitation to tell a story. I I got an amazing um I had an amazing thing happen to me on MLK Day with the Grizzlies. Oh, okay. I'm excited. So 
So, you know, we have season tickets mm-hmm. to the, to the Grizzlies, which are the cheapest season tickets. Uh, I think there's only, I think the Pelicans are the only ones that are behind us. And so it's not like, I don't want people to think, Oh man, Kevin is like raking it in off this podcast. And he's got season tickets. Now they're going on cruises. That's not happening. Yeah, if you're, um, if you're making money off this podcast, I'm not seeing any of that. So it's, <laughs> it's all going to the Grizzlies. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, I'm like taking out a loan to get this Grizzlies stuff going because my daughter is such a a huge Grizzlies fan. Not, I'm not really taking out a loan, but you know. Well, you're, um, you're saving money now because you're not taking care of a baby squirrel. So that's good. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so true. So we went to the game and I get to the game and me and my son make it up to our, to our seats. We have two tickets and my seats aren't there. There's a, there's a TV camera there and a guy's standing behind a giant TV camera. And I'm like, what the heck? So I go and I find our rep and I'm like, Carl, there is a TV camera where my seats are supposed to be. And he's like, Oh man, I'm so sorry. You need to go talk to guest services. I get to guest services. Uh, They're like, Oh, you need to go back up, you know, to the level that you were on and have them figure this out. And I'm like, it's halfway through the, through the first quarter, you know, I want to watch the game. They're playing the bulls first in the East. Wow. You know, the Grizzlies are on a tear. I'm, so I'm frustrated. This guy's standing nearby. He's in a suit. He's like, excuse me, what's going on here? And I said, you know, I'm there's a camera where my season ticket seats are supposed to be. And he's like, here, take these and enjoy the game. He gives me courtside seats. Oh. We're, we're, two, we're, we're one row behind the Bulls bench. I have pictures of DeMar DeRozan. I could have picked his nose. If any of them have COVID – if any of them have COVID then and they go into health and safety protocols, me and my son are going to have to get tested. That's how close we were to these guys. Why does it have to go back to the nose? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but listen, it's it was amazing. We, wow. we, it, it took us until about midway through the second quarter to even really fully absorb what had happened to us. And so – one thing that stands out is that you have a rep. I didn't know that you get a rep just because you're a season ticket holder. You're like, oh hey, yeah. Where's my rep? That's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, it makes you feel important. They, they don't call you season ticket holders. They call you MVPs. Ooh. Well, yeah. Makes you feel really special. They, and I throw, I throw that around a lot. You know me. I'm like, Hey, look, I'm an MVP here. You know? Yeah. Give me my, my courtside seats, please. <laughs> well, there, there's some good lessons, you know, in that, that, you know, when things look, look dumb, who knows, there might be a man in a suit with uh, courtside seats for you. Well, the reason, the reason that I thought this story would be pertinent is because, you know, I'm sitting there throwing a fit about it. You know, mm. I'm not going to have it that somebody is going to let a camera be put in my seats and nobody's going to tell me about that. And I'm going to show up at this game expecting to have something that I'm not getting. Yeah. Um, which all goes back to the Enneagram. Oh, right? yeah, the Enneagram. You need to know more about yourself to understand why 
you behave that way. I wish that we had people that could help us explain, you know, more about our, our personalities and why we are, respond the way we do. It'd yeah. Be a good somebody like an Enneagram coach or a counselor or somebody like that, that could, that knows about Enneagram that could really help us dive into that. Yeah. But, that would be really, that'd be great. Oh, <laughs> guess what? We had some, some friends show up here this morning that Yay. are going to help us with that. Yay. Uh, so um, we have our friends, uh, Shannon and Stacy that are with us all the way from Florida. So we're connecting a lot of dots today. Welcome. Woohoo. It's definitely not 18 degrees here. That's for sure. What, what is the, what is the temperature there? Just. It's actually colder today. I think it's going to be like in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> we got down to a brisk 40, maybe last night. I mean, I love you guys, but I hate you for saying that too. At the same time, I wish that it was 60 degrees here. I'm just making you want to move here. Yeah, I do. I want to move to Florida. I want to move there. I would. Jacksonville's a great place. We want to welcome you guys on the show. So just to kind of give the audience a heads up on who you are, maybe you could give us a little introduction. I know. Shannon, you're a counselor. Stacy, you are an Enneagram coach. And um, can you kind of give us a little bit of background? I want to say thank you for having us on the podcast. I'm super excited and I'm glad we could make this happen. Of course, you guys know how much I love y'all and just love having a good conversation with you guys. So it's good to see you and good to be here. My name is Dr. Shannon Wrights. Um, that might be the first time I've said that, so we'll see. <laughs> but um, I have been in the counseling field for about 15 years. I started my counseling journey in 2005, and I mostly work with children and families in the school setting. And then I also help lead our lay counseling ministry at our church. Stacy and I go to the same church, so that's why I say our church. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. And, and so, Shannon... You weren't just uh, throwing out the, the doctor title to brag. That's been a very recent part of your journey, right? <laughs> yes, it has. I thought about having my diploma behind me here. No, just kidding. I know. But I um, no, it is very exciting. I just got my doctorate uh, last month. And so I'm still, it's still very new to me. And it's, I'm kind of getting used to being able to say that. So glad to have the opportunity. Do you feel a weight off your shoulders to have finished that part of life and, and schooling and everything else? It feels amazing to be done, but um, I also have this thing. This could be the seven in me. Wink, wink. Um, I also feel like now what? You know, I have this space that I feel like I need to fill and I'm just trying to be open handed and see what the Lord has in store for what's next you know why did i do all that work you know what's coming so so like a second doctorate you know in <laughs> physics or something like that yeah it's not physics no no okay <laughs> and then stacy joiner um tell us about yourself yeah thanks for having me uh, i'm stacy joiner i do live in florida i lived here for about four years originally from georgia go dogs. Um, yeah, we're big, big Georgia fans. Um, and 
Um, I've been married to my husband for 11 years and we have five kids, um, ages nine to one. And um, yeah, I became an Enneagram coach a year ago. Um, before that, I've been a stay-at-home mom uh, since we had our, our oldest. And then I also work part-time doing um, home studies for a local adoption agency, a domestic adoption agency, um, which is also part of our story. We've adopted internationally. So that's um, that goes back to the Enneagram. Part of my passion is, you know, caring for the vulnerable as an Enneagram 8. And so, um, yeah, that's just a huge part of my testimony and what the Lord has put on my heart. And I'm just excited to be here. I love talking anything Enneagram, especially when it pertains to, um, you know, theology and how we can use that in the church to, um, to help grow deeper in our relationships with the Lord and with each other. That's so awesome. And um, I, I totally respect you automatically for, because you're an eight, because I'm an eight as well. Um, and, and so one thing that I want to say about just, you know, this whole uh, podcast and, and this episode specifically is I'm excited about having an Enneagram episode because it's kind of like a coming of age episode for a podcast. Like you have to have an Enneagram podcast, you know, like a specific one devoted to it now in order to be legit. So this is going to legitimize what we're doing, Paul, just in case you didn't know. Do eights have an inner need to legitimize what they're doing like that? I don't know. We're going to have to ask Shannon and Stacy. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, I am, you know, I'm saying that tongue in cheek, but I, I really am excited about our conversation today. Always talking about the Enneagram gives us a chance to learn more about ourselves, which Paul, we've talked a lot about, um, it's, it's knowing yourself that gives you the ability to offer that gift to somebody else. And that, it, that gift brings intimacy, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited about our conversation today. Yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to tie in what we're going to be talking about today to our, our bigger theme of how God moves us from places of isolation towards more connection that's part of when when we think about um god saves us in different ways i think it's it's involved part of that saving is all these places where we feel isolated in our lives where we feel uh shame wants to push us apart where we feel like we're stuck and and there's relational breaks in those places too and so part of what we've learned about what does it mean to move from isolation uh, to connection is it's an inward journey of I'm learning more about myself. I'm seeing myself more clearly as I open myself up to others. And so part of me putting myself out there and, and, and being vulnerable and, and having some risk in relationship also implies that, okay, I've, I've done a little bit of interior work to know a little bit about what's made me, me. And so there's, there's tools out there. And we've talked about, um, or some of our guests have talked about recovery work they've talked about counseling that they've done and and other forms of of help and growing and and having people that help you see yourself and so we're really exploring today just another way um, to do some of that work and and some of the tools that are out there to help us learn about ourselves as a way for god to shape us and help us connect with others so 
that's that's kind of a big picture you know what where are we going with this particular conversation yeah and in ministry and counseling i think you know you can't one of the things that we always say um when i'm teaching my students and you know talking to different people is you can't go you can't help people go any further than you've been willing to go yourself Mm. so it's so important to do the this the the work on self in order to not have blind spots when you're helping others walk through similar journeys. So that, I think that's super important. I couldn't agree more, Kevin. Um, there was an earlier episode where you had mentioned Adam and Eve and how when they feared exposure from the Lord, they ran and hid and they had a lot of shame. And I feel like fear is one of the biggest things that keeps us from um, getting into deep relationship. So I think that's one thing too, we can dive into today, but sometimes that fear relates to our own identity and who we are. And I feel that the ultimate goal of self-exploration is freedom and just not just self-understanding for it to terminate there, but to result in being able to embrace who God made you to be and the part of his image that we bear. And in that we can then meet others, as you said, fully present, fully ourselves, fully authentically. And that way we can then come into that place of being able to minister to others out of that freedom. Yeah, I love that, Shannon. And I, you know, I think today's episode isn't intended to give like an overview of all the Enneagram parts or, you know, the numbers. Um, There's plenty of podcasts out there that have done that, you know, um, but but today is more about talking about how you can use the Enneagram as a tool back towards self, you know, through self-understanding and um, and finding freedom because so many people throw out this this whole number system, right? Um, as a way to type themselves and then they they stay there. You know, it's like I, I want to define myself by this number um, rather than recognizing that that's not that isn't the pursuit here. The pursuit is to understand where your starting place is and how to grow from that and not just be locked in. Don't use that number as a shield or a sword to protect yourself from having to change or to hurt others and wounding out of that uh, just because, oh, I'm an eight. So I get to wound people, you know, and you should be okay with that. Yeah. I'll oftentimes say, that there's so much information about the Enneagram out there that people can know just enough to be dangerous, right? So they can know, oh, well, okay, I'm an eight. So that explains why I get angry and I'm reactionary. And that explains why I can just be a jerk to people. And that is not the intention of the Enneagram. And that might be some people, some people like the whole meme thing where they can go find a meme about themselves and share it and say, look, this is all about me. Um, in my opinion, that's dangerous. And that becomes the um, self-absorption side. But what the Lord has taught me um, through this and through some other inner healing work um, is that self-awareness is not self-absorption. And there's a difference there. Um, And when we can use the Enneagram, not to put ourselves in a box, but to look at the way that we have met, you know, our coping mechanisms, our personality, these things that we have built around us as these, um, like our, our default, 
you know, in what, in what we go to in different situations, these are all, um, they're all just false. They're all just lies from the enemy that we have believed since childhood for whatever reason. Some people call it a childhood wound, a lost childhood message, whatever it is. It's our perception of what happened is how the enemy um, has gotten in our mind and told us these lies. And so what I like to tell people is that the Enneagram is a great tool. It's not scripture. I'm not here to evangelize the Enneagram. If I couldn't teach the Enneagram tomorrow, I would not um, lose any sleep over it. It's, it's not scripture. It's not the gospel. It's a great tool. And that's what I like about it. Um, and so what I like to tell people is the Enneagram is a great starting point, like you said, to say, I am not alone in this. First of all, I'm not the only person that struggles this and that has these thoughts and that has these cyclical sins and these, um, these ruts and cycles I fall into. I'm not the only person that does that. However, how can I get out of this and not just stay here? And that's where I like to use, um, inner healing prayer with that and, and going back to the root of these sins and the root of these, um, you know, just where these, these start, these cycles of sin started, um, whether that's where I need to forgive somebody, whether I need to, um, you know, forgive myself or whatever it is for these certain things, um, so that I can grow beyond that so that I don't have to be a typical eight so that I can, um, get out of this box that people say the Enneagram puts them in. And so, like you said, it's a starting point. It's, it's just the very beginning. Finding your number is not the end all be all. And it does not define you at all. I love what you just talked about. And we may need to have another episode where we talk about um, inner healing prayer. Cause we just, we went through a training at my church and we're, we're going to launch that ministry soon. Um, but I had to, part of that, I had to go through it myself. And so as we've talked about before, I'm an eight, right? And one of the pictures the Lord gave me um, as an eight was a stallion running across, uh, you know, the top of a mountain. And you could see the muscles in my, in, in this picture that I had, you could see the muscles and the, just the power of that Mustang. Um, but then that was juxtaposed to a Mustang tied up on the ground and people trying to help unbind that Mustang and, and getting hurt in the process. And, uh, and, and the Lord used that to talk about as, you know, as his design for me, he designed me to be free and wild for him, you know, but when the enemy is, has done things to bind me up, there are people that get wounded out of that power and that strength that he has, designed me for. And, and that's a lot about how me being an eight either could wound or could set me on a path to, to live in the Lord in such a way that, that he's designed me to, to live in that strength and that power that comes from him. And, and uh, it was funny, the guy that was taking me through the prayer goes, Hey, let's just praise Jesus that, that he just called you a stallion. You know, I, I just thought I, I loved that, you know, because that's not something I would have come up on my own. But but to me, it's stuff like that that helps us really understand, like uh, there's a there's an intentional design, not for you just as a human being, but there's like a specific design for you as you walk in the Lord. And these numbers could can point us in that direction. 
right? But living in freedom goes goes beyond that. So, oh, thanks for sharing that story, Kevin. I I agree. I think it would be good for us to delve into those forms of prayer. I wondered if we could go back and just just for those that are listening that are not, you know, either have have kept themselves away from purposefully from the enneagram or are um are, are just you know haven't been become aware of it yet i wonder if we're throwing out our you know numbers and stacy would you give us like a 60 second intro to what are we talking about when we're talking about the enneagram yeah so the enneagram is a typing system there are nine numbers and ennea <clears throat> stands for nine and gram stands for letter or something written down. And some people are a little freaked out by the word or by, we don't really know the origins of it. Um, basically what we do know is that there are some psychologists who got together a long time ago and kind of did this mapping system of it, of the human brain and personality. And they came up with the Enneagram. Um, but some people believe that it could have pagan roots. And so there's been some controversy around whether Christians should use it. And, um, but it basically goes to the why behind the what. So why am I doing the things that I do instead of other typing systems that tell you what you do? This tells you your motivation um, or what could be your motivation and where you go in stress and health. And so it's been a helpful in that area to me. I like the deeper meaning of it. And as far as the or origin of it, um, one thing my pastor has said um, that he uh, has really stuck with me, he's also Enneagram certified, is that you can take something like this and either reject it because we're not sure the roots, you can receive it and just take it and not really worry about the roots, or you can redeem it and use this for God's glory and for the advancement of his gospel rather than um, just completely rejecting it. And so that's kind of the stance I've taken. So it, there are, like I said, there are nine types and um, you can either take an assessment online. I suggest reading about each type and um, seeing which one makes you feel most exposed. And that's probably your type because we don't like to feel exposed. We don't like other people to know the inner workings of our brain. And so that that's what I suggest people do as they begin their journey of finding their type. One thing that I would say about that is that I went and took the, the test on Enneagraminstitute.com and it typed me as a two. Um, eight wasn't even in my top three. So I, I want to warn people that if you go and you take the test, that's not necessarily gonna gonna give you a bullseye on 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 your starting place for your number. A lot of that has to do with exploration of reading further and and figuring out which one seems to fit you the most and and maybe is the most embarrassing to think about being too. That was another part of that. Yeah, for sure. My husband, he tests as a seven. He had to do the one you pay for at, when he went on staff at our church. It was part of the um, the interview process and the hiring process. And he tests as a seven every time because that's how he presents. He acts as a seven. He's very outgoing. Um, but once I he started reading the motivations, nothing really lined up for him. And so I was kind of intrigued by it. I thought he was a seven. I've been married to him, you know, for it was like 10 years at that point. So I was like, I've always thought you were a seven. This is kind of 
you know, crazy. And as much as I know about the Enneagram and my husband, he is the only one that knew exactly what was going on in his mind and his heart. And he said, no, I feel exposed. I feel with this, but when he read everything about the three. So, and another thing about typing is the descriptions are helpful, but they're also not what you should go by because I don't project myself as a typical eight. I have the same motivations as an eight, but, and subtypes is a whole different story, but you can also go into subtypes and I present more as a social person. So I read a room better than some eights and can, I'm not as much of a, so eights, I know we're talking a lot about that. So if you're listening, you don't know what an eight is. An eight is um, an aggressive um, kind of, some people say it if they're unhealthy as a bully, they can be very um, matter of fact. However, they also have a softer side wanting to care for the vulnerable and they're motivated by um, really protecting their themselves and their, um, their what's going on in their heart and their mind. And so when we talk about these things, the motivation is really what what you want to look at rather than the behavior. Yeah, that's, I was going to add that too, Stacey. I'm glad you brought that up because I personally find myself oftentimes vacillating between a two and a seven. And I've kind of landed on a seven, but I just want to speak to the people out there that maybe are in my shoes that feel like they identify with more than one. And I think that's what the beauty of this is. That's our point is that we don't need to put ourselves into a box, but this is a self-understanding tool that allows us to just learn more about who we are and how we interact. But I think that um, when I looked at the core fears and the core motivations of the numbers, that really gave me an insight into my true self. So you can have, you know, certain characteristics of the different numbers, but, and I don't know if we end up having time to do this, but there are fears associated with each number that um, are very powerful. And I think are good insight too, into what keeps us out of relationships with others. We want to take a moment and thank Wellspring Process Groups for sponsoring today's episode. Wellspring is an initiative Paul launched at the beginning of 2021 that provides people with a safe place to process the experiences they're facing in life. Whether you're going through challenges or transitions, or if you need a safe group of people to share life with for a season, we invite you to join a Wellspring Process Group. I've been in one of these groups, and it's been a life-changing experience for me. I encourage you to go to the show notes right now and contact Wellspring to find out when you can join a process group for yourself. So Shannon, as you're describing that, I'm just curious, what got you on the path to, to start becoming interested, not just in the Enneagram, but what what was it in your own journey that you were exploring that this has become helpful in, in terms of you saying, okay, this is an insight that's new. This is, I, I feel like God is doing something with this right now. Share some about that with us. Well, I got to thinking about this and I, you know, I feel like I used to love, even as a kid, when I would look at teen magazines and I would read, you know, take those quizzes about who you are and 
you know, what's your type and what's your favorite job and stuff like that. And I know, you know, for me personally, from a young age, I've just really enjoyed learning about myself. But I think that's kind of common because if you think about even now, if you go on Facebook, there's tons of quizzes on there, like what Harry Potter house are you? And I think people have an intrinsic desire to learn more about themselves. Um, for me, you know, I was going to add too that there's a lot of other tools out there other than the Enneagram. And I personally found a lot of wisdom and, um, you know, just knowledge when I looked at things like the, um, the love languages, the five love languages, there's lots of different personality type tests like the DISC, there's animals, there's the Myers-Briggs, there's spiritual gift tests, you know, there's a lot of tools out there. And I know today we are kind of diving into the Enneagram. I feel like the Enneagram has um, unique characteristics about it and nuances that like Stacy was mentioning with wings and types of health and stress, et cetera. But um, for me, you know, I think it just, it began as just an interest, but as I began to see the Lord using it and starting to teach me how he gifted me, then that's when it really became something that I felt was important. It, it's also, um, I hear a lot about there's some discomfort with, with this discovery too. There's some things pointed out that don't feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm in house Gryffindor. Of course I am. You know, <laughs> um, you're like, Oh, that's, that's a characteristic of house Gryffindor. Ooh, I don't know about that. Uh, what was the journey like in terms of coming to grips with both what is exciting about how you've been made? And then also the parts that you're like, yeah, that's there too. And, and I, I really can't deny it because it, it resonates so much as I'm, I'm hearing this description. Yeah, Paul, that's a great point because as we learn about our giftings and our strengths, we're also learning about our weaknesses and maybe some areas of vulnerability. And to Stacy's point earlier, you know, that's when we really need to lean on the Lord for our identity and who he made us to be. Um, I'll share a quick story about something that happened to me about a year ago. I was, you know, pursuing my doctorate for my doctorate. I had to do an internship at a community counseling agency. And I mostly work in the school setting with families and children. And, you know, I do um, ministry at my church with adults, but I was having a lot of fear going into that experience. And I just kept hearing this voice in my head that was like, someone else could do this better. And I just kept thinking, oh, these poor people are going to get assigned to me for counseling when they could have someone better, you know? And I just had to sit with the Lord in that because what he ended up telling me was, but I'm bringing them to you. And through that experience, he really um, affirmed the gifting that he had given me for counseling. Because even though it's a passion and I do, you know, I utilize those things in my life and in my career, when it came to this particular experience, I just had so much self-doubt and so much fear about it. So um, whenever I sat with the Lord and I heard him say, I'm using you in this, you know, by you using your gifts that I gave you, this is glorifying to me. You are glorifying me in doing this versus if you don't do this, you're not glorifying to me. You're not using your gifts that I've given you. And so just each session got a little bit easier. I just had to lay that down. I had a little prayer I'd pray before each session. And by the end of the experience, it lasted 10 weeks. But by the end of those 10 weeks, the Lord had just completely affirmed 
that he wanted me there, that, you know, he had used me, that my clients were so, their feedback was so positive that I just, it really kind of gave me this new understanding of like, okay, God has given me these gifts for me to hide them and not use them is not worship. It's not glorifying to him. I, I love the redemptive part of that story and like the conclusion that you just came to. I love how you said that. Um, can we go back for a second just to that sense of fear and that sense of self-doubt? And I'm just curious if, is that, are, are you connecting that into an aspect of personality that you relate to that's, that other people identify as well? Like that's part of um, uh, something you can identify with an Enneagram or is that part of your story that, that stems from, uh, you know, childhood experiences, this kind of thing? How, where do you, where does that, what's the origin story of some of those, those fears? Well, as I mentioned a minute ago, I think, you know, speaking to the Enneagram, all the numbers have a core fear. Um, so maybe my fear might look different from someone else, like an eight sphere or a nine sphere. But I do think that, um, for me, my fear, I do have a struggle with comparison and that's not necessarily related to a seven's core fear. A seven is more a fear of being trapped, which does manifest in other ways, um, in my life. But, um, as far as fear goes, I think comparison for me personally, is also a big trap. And, you know, you could see that in the way my thought process was, um, you know, someone else could do this better. So I, you know, to your point, that might be a longer counseling session as far as where is that began. But I definitely know that um, my fear of maybe not being enough, or, you know, someone else being able to do that better has, um, paralyze me in some areas of my life. And I'm sure I'm the only person in their early forties who still struggles with this, but, um, that's something that the Lord continues to work out in me. Yeah. And I, I want to underscore what you just said, because I think it's really important that, you know, um, sort of that big fear of a seven is to be trapped you know, and to, and specifically trapped in emotional pain, right? And so comparison is a, is a next step for that. It sounds like that, that in that comparison game, I could get trapped in a situation where like there's other people that are better and yet I'm, I'm the one stuck doing it. And that's just going to be an endless cycle of me feeling bad about what I'm doing. And, you know, others are probably thinking that they could do it better than me. So like, that's where feeling trapped then goes more specific to the comparison game and how that plays out in your life. And I think that's the beauty of Enneagram and, and kind of helping us zero in on that, because here's what I know. Unaware people wound others. That just That's just a, a general fact. And so this kind of sense in our culture of, hey, I'm me, accept me for who I am, you know, love me you know, I, I really reject that idea because, you know, God did not intend us to stay where we are. And when we do, we're just going to continuously wound others. 
And I just want to add on to that, um, the importance of inner healing and Enneagram together, because as Shannon's speaking, it just keeps coming to mind of how important it is to go back and find these root causes or these instances where you ask the Holy Spirit, show me where I started believing that lie or show me where this root was planted in my heart that has um, produced all this unwanted fruit in my life. Um, and so I think that's so important. And my journey is similar to Shannon's in that as I was trying, you know, I had just been introduced to the Enneagram when I started doing inner healing work. Um, and it was just so evident to me that even at two years old in a dream that I remembered that the Lord brought to my mind of how I was trying to control the situation because I felt like my parents didn't have everything under control at two years old, you know, and that's where, that's how early the enemy gets in there. And it, it, it sounds crazy, but my mom even remembers me telling her about that dream at that age. And so, I mean, it's just crazy um, how at such a young age that still affects you in, into your adult life in your thirties, forties, fifties, whatever. And if you don't ever go back and you don't ever do that self-exploration, then you are going to stay in these. Um, I keep saying cycles of sin because that's the best way I can put personality. I, you know, personality is just another way of saying your coping mechanisms. And so, um, if I don't know that about myself, then I bring that over into my marriage and my parenting and my friendships and my ministry. And I um, was also discovering this at a time when my husband worked a very strenuous job. We owned a restaurant. We had four young children who, and we just moved away from all of our family and friends. And I felt trapped and was going out of my mind because he was gone all the time and I didn't know anybody at home with these babies. And it was just a very stressful time. And the Lord used that moment to refine me and show me that I was trying to control too much of my, I didn't trust him. I wasn't surrendering these things to him. And, you know, I grew up in the church. I grew up um, homeschooled, Christian school, Christian college, you name it. Like I was at church every time the doors were open and I was, you know, you hear all the time, well, just lay this at the foot of the cross or give it to God. And what does that even mean? You know, I am in my mid thirties and I'm still trying to figure out what that means. Having grown up in the church, my husband is now in ministry and it, it just is, goes to show so much of we need practical ways to go like the sanctification process and ways to do that is knowing what God is doing in your life and how to repent of that, to break free from that. So you can step into who he's called you to be. So Stacy, I'm curious when you're in that moment where your husband's working um, in the, in the restaurant and you've got the four kids at home and you're just trying to hold on to control what, um, cause obviously the Enneagram has really resonated as a tool that's been helpful for you. What, what was resonating in that, in, as you're saying, okay, we're kind of putting meat on the bones of what is sanctification? What is, what is God, uh, changing us look like? So what was happening? What, what were you finding helpful at that moment, uh, were in your own growth and development? So prior to Enneagram and being mentored um, by a mutual friend of ours, uh, I would have um, just put all the blame on my husband, 
you need to be home when you start getting home. You need to help. You know, this is not what we talked about. It was all these things. And I was very ungracious with him. I was very much like matter of fact, like you said, you're going to be home at this time. I need to do that. I'm depending on you. And I just felt very like, I, I told you the trap, the walls were closing in. And so what I learned about myself is one, I am putting too much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? too much emphasis on freedom in my eyes at that point and not looking at where God has placed me. And two, I am looking to my husband to fulfill things in my heart that he's not meant to fulfill or my children or my circumstances. And so what the Lord stirred in me to do and what my mentor helped guide me with is just stopping in those moments and saying, okay, God, what am I not believing about you to be true? And what am I, um, what do I need to change in my heart? So it was with my husband, I was thinking, you know, I was putting all the blame on him, but instead of, I can't control what he's going to do. I can't control when he's going to come home. I can't control any of those things. So I need to then focus on what is going on in my heart and how I can, um, react in a more gracious way, in a more godly way, in a more loving way and put the control back in my walk with the Lord instead of projecting it onto my marriage. So I think that is a, a great illustration of this idea that you start to understand, you know, through the core fears, where, where you go in stress with the Enneagram, the Enneagram kind of points us in that direction to help us understand like, okay, in stressful times, um, as an eight, you're going to go to control. You're going to try and grab your own freedom rather than allow the Lord to give you freedom. And you grabbing your freedom looks like wounding others to get it. Yes. And, and I think that um, there are a lot of people out there that can identify with that because, you know, when we go back to the garden story, Eve's reaching out and taking for herself something that is only God's to give right? Knowledge of good and evil. And that's our same story. And so we do that in different ways. And I think that's where, you know, since we're focused on the Enneagram, we're talking about how those woundings cause us to, to say without recognizing it, Lord, I can't trust you to give this to me. I've got to take it for myself. And, and when we're living out of that place and we're unaware, we just, we end up hurting others out of that. And so this is what's so frustrating to me about the enemy is that he'll take children who they have, they don't even have a fully developed prefrontal cortex and he'll start putting in lies when they have no ability to fight back against it. And he'll reinforce those lies through messages from the world and other people to the point where they believe something about themselves that God never intended to be true, right? Where it's actually almost the opposite of what God wants to be true of them because he knows how easy that is to slip in and, and start to deceive. And you got to think about how much he must really despise us because he doesn't really care about us. He just wants to do it to hurt the father. You know, he just wants to make us believe and live out of a place that that hurts the father over and over again, because we, we can't trust, we feel like we can't trust him. 
And so I think that's where we keep reaching for that, those things that are only God's to give. And that's what that, that living out of the shadow self, you know, you hear people talk about that out of the Enneagram. That's where that stuff comes from. And those lies that run under the surface that, and this goes back to your point, Stacy. God, I, I, I can't trust you to give me peace. So I'm going to grab it for myself. Kevin, I think what you just said is so powerful. And I do, we've used the word wounds quite a bit this morning. And I just think that the wounds that we end up getting through our life also kind of put us on a trajectory, you know, and I think sometimes of it like a pinball, you know, like we start like a pinball, but it could always look the same and start from the same place, but going through life and the different things that happen to us, good and bad kind of direct our path and kind of shape us. So every eight, every one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine does not look the same. And I did want to share a story um, about, you know, how we can believe, start to believe some of those things. And we really need to get with the Lord and allow the Lord to tell us who we are. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, you kind of had this vision from the Lord about being a stallion. And there's something about when we meet with the Lord, when we hear directly from him, that changes us and transforms us like nothing else. And I had an experience just kind of recently last fall, um, my family went to Disney World together, which is supposed to be the happiest place on earth, but you know, it just somehow brings up all sorts of stuff. But um, my family, we were at um, a campsite and I had brought some chairs or my dad had brought some chairs and I had moved them from one campsite to another. And so my dad said, hey, where are the chairs that I brought? And I said, oh, I moved them to another campsite. And he just um, blew up at me in that moment. And he said, well, that wasn't smart. And it's not like he, you know, there's a lot worse things he could have said, I know, but for whatever reason, that comment just kind of hit me. And I got really hurt, you know, speaking to wounds, as you mentioned. <clears throat> and um, I felt really hurt. So I kind of lashed back in that moment. And not to mention my um, sister and her husband and all their children were there too. So this was kind of a group ridicule, you know, kind of feeling. And then, um, I just could not let it go as the day went on. I was not speaking to him because I just felt like we need to reconcile this before I can, you know, get back to normal. So we did not resolve it. Then, um, we had, so I went to, you know, I asked for some prayers for my family and went to the Lord and kind of tried to work through it a little bit. But the next morning he came to me and he apologized and said, you know, it would have hurt his feelings too. And we had a beautiful moment. We both cried. We both said, you know, thank you for coming to me, et cetera. But the, the real key point that I want to make in the story is I was later journaling about it back at home on my own. And it just hit me I, that his voice, when he said, well, that wasn't smart. That is the voice, a voice that I hear in my head. You know, I've journaled it a million times. Like I'm afraid I'm doing something wrong. I'm afraid I'm making the wrong choice. And it hit me. It was like a, a epiphany, you know, in that moment, the Lord just enlightened, as Stacy had mentioned earlier, a root that had been planted somewhere along the way, you know, and that was just last fall. So I believe that the Lord continues to bring things up with us to continue to work towards our healing. Shannon, thank you for sharing that. 
I was wondering, it, it was your response in in going to talk to him, was that different than how you would have responded, let's say, as a child? Or would you have, you know, bucked up and just like gotten a big arguing match? Like how how has your journey changed the way you respond to that voice? Or do you feel like, oh, you know, it's 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 more about like I'm leaving that and now I'm aware of, oh, this is why that hurts so much. What's what's changed in you? I definitely say it's a process, you know, we use the word sanctification earlier, and I would definitely say, you know, this is a lifelong process of the Lord sanctifying us and transforming us into his image and revealing these things to us, you know, as I won't get too far into it, but as a child, I think I would have just like gone to my room, cried it out, and then had to come back with like a happy face, you know, and meanwhile, nothing's really resolved. It just kind of festers and sticks. And I think that's where um, for the past few years, the Lord has been kind of doing some healing with my dad and my relationship. And so I feel like that's why it was so important for me to go to him. And there has been progress there. Um, And, you know, being a seven, as we talked about earlier, I'm not great with feeling trapped in a painful situation. So I, I was already like thinking, well, guess I'm not going home for Christmas this year. Well, guess that was nice knowing you dad, you know, like I was already replanning my entire life from, you know, then on. So it definitely takes, um, surrendering to the Lord and allowing him to put us in some uncomfortable situations and allowing him to do that work, even in those uncomfortable moments. Stacy, what about you? Where have you seen your self-work um, in your training in the Enneagram? How has that led to more connection in your life? Well, I've mentioned my marriage a few times. And as you know, the main personal relationship I have on this planet, that's the one I see the most fruit from. And my husband and I really digging into why we do the things we do and how we can better um, complement each other in that. So for instance, I, as an eight, um, I don't run away from any kind of conflict. I actually embrace it and I see it as um, intimacy. And so if I'm going to have a conflict with you and engage in that, then I feel safe enough with you. So my husband does not feel that way. And so that's been a a rub that we've had, you know, for the last decade and never really, it was kind of like this roadblock, you know, I was like, fight with me. And he's like, no, why can't we, everything just be good, you know? And so it was this constant um, battle we've had. Um, Plus, you know, it's also helped us realize um, when to slow down. Um, And so not only in our, like, it's helped our conflict, but it's helped, like I said before, we've had five kids, we've adopted internationally. Um, my husband's had three career changes. I've had a couple career changes. I've chose to stay home, just different things. We're just very ambitious people by nature. And um, both of us just take the bull by the horns in life and just kind of go at it. And so it's helped us create a margin for rest. We've really, um, the past six months, um, we've really made it a priority to Sabbath 
you know, sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday night and create this space and margin in our family and in our home just to enjoy each other and enjoy God. And that's not something that we would ever have done had we not realized how um, hard we were going and how we were never stopping. And that has been such a beautiful thing in our family. You know, our kids say, you know, they sing this uh, Shabbat Shalom song. And they say, you know, we say, why are we Sabbathing? And they say, um, we, well, what do we do on Sabbath? We rest, we play, God loves us. You know, these are the things like we're trying to cultivate in our home because we realize that by nature, it's not something that we're just going to stop. We feel lazy we feel useless and worthless while, and that's what the enemy wants us to think, you know, he doesn't want us to rest because that's when we are, um, rejuvenated to go and do our ministry and to love our kids well, to love each other well, and to love other people well. And so, um, that has been, um, a big part of our sanctification in the last few months, I would say. So Stacy, I'm guessing that, you know, in that process of self-discovery through inner healing prayer and Enneagram and kind of learning, you know, where you go in times of stress versus in times of health, that, um, that becomes a road to connection because that self-awareness gives you space to grow with each other in a way that you're more known, that you're more understood, that you can, you know, it's not like you're, you're pigeonholed into a certain way of being, but you kind of understand each other's starting place and you can engage in a way that helps you, you know, expand out of that and say, oh, if we keep operating out of places of unhealth, it's going to lead us to never finding rest at all as a family. Like we'll just drive ourselves straight into the ground. And we've done that time and time again. And so we've seen that, that cycle, like I keep saying. And so to be able to put, I say the Enneagram gives you language of what's going on internally. And so to have that language to say, that's, that's why we're doing this. Or, you know, I can see certain things in my husband to see when he's getting towards burnout and vice versa, when he can see when I'm heading towards burnout. Um, And so it's just given us that language and that, um, insight into each other. And, you know, I can tell when he's going, getting, getting burned out because when he goes to stress, he kind of just numbs out. And I just see him like, you know, on his phone or just kind of whatever, just wanting to just watch replays of football, football games all day or whatever it is. I can see these going on in him and I can say, you know, I, can speak life into him by, you know, reminding him of his worth and his value apart from what he does, apart from his accomplishments as a three. And so it's just given us those, um, those little nuggets of insight that I would see those patterns had I not known this, but I wouldn't have understood why I wouldn't have understood those little nuances. I, I really appreciate how you said that because I think what it, what it highlights is the Enneagram has become a bridge back towards connection for the two of you mm-hmm. rather than it, it. It's what, you know, one of the things that I've said from the beginning of starting this podcast and, um, and I, because I fully believe this, it comes out of my own story, this question that I think applies to all of us. And that is, if you really knew me, if you really knew all of it, would you love me and accept me? And 
these insights with one another become a place of saying, yes, I do love you and accept you. I, I love you so much and accept you so much that I'm going to call you back to who the Lord says you are instead of me trying to define that moment to moment. And I think that's, that's kind of underlying underscoring all of this. And that is we have, I, I, I agree. I think Shannon, you said this earlier, we have this, this desire to, to know who we are. We're hungry for, for someone to tell us who we are. And that becomes a problem when we think we get to say who we are and we don't let, you know, or we get, we think someone else gets to define who we are other than the Lord. Um, but when we can sit with the Lord and hear who we are from him, and we share that with somebody else, just like you described in, in your relationship with your husband, Stacy, you guys have shared that in such a way that now you can call each other back to it. And that's a place of connection that goes to some very deep vulnerability and some very deep intimacy. And I, I think that's exactly what this whole podcast is intended to do is to call people back to that place to, to push past just seeing the behavior and look into, okay, what's going on here that I can that I can recognize you're, you're moving to a place of stress. And I want to help call you back to the, the person that I know the Lord has designed you to be. And I want to note that that is a difficult journey, not just in connecting with other people or learning about yourself and the Enneagram, but in saying, I, I want to go to the Lord. I want to trust the Lord for who I want to be. But part of me doesn't part of me is pretty nervous about that whole language or, what I'm going to hear or what that's going to mean for me. I know as a, as a young person, I was worried like, Oh, God's going to make me go across the world somewhere and it's going to ruin my life. You know, I'm going to be completely miserable, you know, because of what the Lord is going to tell me I need to do or who I am. And so there's, there's a trust factor with, with the idea of getting our identity from God too. And I think that's why it takes, it takes community in terms of, I need to hear stories um, from your lives of, okay, I was wrestling with this part of me. And as I, as I learned about that, and as I submitted my, myself to the Lord, this is the good that came of that. So it's like that taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, sometimes I'm scared about what I'm going to hear, and I need to hear your stories so that I can be willing to go there myself. Yeah, Paul, I hear what you're saying. I think, you know, the whole point of this podcast, as you said, Kevin, you guys are focusing on connection and relationships. And I think until we have the relationship with the Lord, that's our number one relationship. And until that is healed, we can't really then interact with other people from a, a whole healed place. So I think it's important to note that the Lord, you know, to know who he is in his character, um, he is a loving father and he has placed things within us, passions within us. You know, he's not going to call me to be an accountant because I don't like numbers and I don't work well with numbers. You know, he put in me a heart for people. His, you know, um, calling on my life is going to relate to the giftings that he's given me. So we don't have to fear what he's going to tell us, you know, he might call us to step out of a comfort zone, but he's a loving father and we can feel safe going to him and asking him to heal these wounds that we've been um, accumulating, you know, throughout our life. 
So I just encourage for next steps, people to start with that, you know, meeting with the Lord, allowing him to show us, you know, how he's gifted us, how he has made us in his image and ways we can use those giftings to glorify him and and be in worship every day in our lives as we use those gifts. Yeah, I just wanted to say that it's so important to know how God made you and to step into that. And the enemy is the one that wants to keep us from that. And so the more that we um, push away self-exploration, the more we're letting the lies of the enemy win in our own hearts and souls. And so it's important to, um, to surrender that so that we can step into who God has called us to be and to view others going along that same journey and have grace with them. I can see that Shannon sees the world through a different lens than I do. And I can have grace with her and her um, sanctification process and anybody that we meet. So it not only does it draw us out of ourselves and free us from our own personality, but it also frees us to view other people with grace. And I think that will breed more connection as well. Yeah, Stacy, that's so good because I think once we are living from that identity that the father has, has given us now we become places of contact in the world where they start to experience the same thing when they interact with us. That's what us being, you know, Paul talks about us, uh, people tabernacling with us, right? Like the world who doesn't get to experience the father's, bestowal of his gifts and his and 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 his divine purpose they don't get to experience that because they're not in connection with him but they might experience it through us and um and that comes from us knowing ourselves and living from freedom so what a rich conversation that we've had today and um have just loved getting to to speak i think we all are are just like man, there is so much to say here. We just haven't had the time to say it. And I, I think that a part two to this conversation will be warranted. So thank you guys so much for coming on and being a part of our of our podcast and, and just sacrificing your time. Stacy, you've got five kids, you know, Shannon, you were supposed to, you know, be doing stuff at work this morning. Um, and so like both of you are making sacrifices that we are so grateful that you did. Thanks for having us. It was a really fun conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really hope we can do it again sometime soon and have part two. We'd love that. Well, to everyone that's listening, uh, we're so glad that you've been part of this conversation with us. We're going to, I'm going to have Shannon and uh, Stacy share with us some resources that we'll put in our notes section so that you can go and take some next steps if you're interested in any of the exploration that we've been talking about today. And we just want you to know that you are not alone. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and that you feel inspired to take steps to learn more about who you've been created to be. We believe that we ultimately receive our identity from our Creator, and that greater understanding can give us more grace with ourselves and with others. Please check out our podcast notes for helpful resources and links. You'll also find an email address there where you can contact us about any topics that you'd be interested in, as well as if you have a story that you'd like to share. Special thanks to Cheyenne Matters for producing our music, 
and thank you to Wellspring Process Groups for sponsoring this episode. If Created for Connection has been helpful for you, please drop a review on whichever streaming service you're using, and please share with your friends and anyone you think might appreciate these conversations. We'll see you next time.